0: support this podcast, go to sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey, everyone. Here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. And when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Store's closed, mister. I'm not here for cigarettes or bubblegum, my boy. Can you tell me the name of the person who broke the record on that game over there where I might find him? Alex Rogan. You're looking at him. Alex Rogan. Ah, ha, ha. Who are you? Centauri's the name. I invented Starfighter, which is why I'm here. It is? It is. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. That's it. Come on now. Nothing to be afraid of. Jay here positive sarcasm.com report here from the spare Park studios happy sunday everybody it's sunday leftovers you can find me on instagram facebook you can also find me on tiktok youtube positive sarcasm podcast and my original positive sarcasm which i was out yesterday uh shooting video for the first time in quite some time it, oh my god i forget i do you don't shoot for like a couple a couple weeks it's you forget how much effort it is to like go out and do it, like placing the cameras. And all of a sudden it's like, you think you have all the ideas of of the angles you're going to have. And then how much privacy you're going to have. then it's like, all of a sudden, like I'm out in the middle of nowhere start, you know, starting to shoot and the next thing you know, the, the, uh, a sheriff's vehicle comes rolling up right by me to check on what I'm doing. You know, I've got like a GoPro sitting here, a boombox over here, a giant 4K camera over here. I've got a drone doing circles in the air. And then you just kind of look at them and you're just like, hey, how's it going? What's doing? And then you're in another spot. You're like, let me go deeper into the woods so I can do some of my sillier stuff and get that going and then you're like okay and then you finish up with that and then a freaking four-wheeler goes right by you doing donuts and you're just like hey how's it going didn't mean to bother you and it's and then you go back to your car and there's like a bunch of people and you do another skit and then there's like a bunch of people over there at the recreational area and you're just like hey how's it going just just wrapping up it's it's that's my most um that's the one thing about when I'm filming, I'm so uncomfortable when other people are around. Because I remember when I was back doing, uh, what was it, Breeze of Betrayal, which was like the first short film I did for the Polk and Film Festival. And I was filming in a very public area and there were people around, just like, you know, locals, like annoying locals who like to put in their two cents with everything. And when they see a camera, they, when they see a camera, they don't shut up, they... Just keep talking, or they'd be like, "I want to be in the film." And I was—I'm very short-tempered when other people interrupt when I'm trying to shoot video. I get really, really annoyed. I don't know if I would be like that one director who gets upset every time something goes wrong on a on a set or whatever. I don't—I don't know. I just know that when that shit happens, I get really fucking annoyed because I know that even though I'm short-tempered, those people are being stupid. So that—that's why I really like to. Not be uh, around people, uh, just in g- not just filming, but in general, because they're just uh, annoying. So I try to film in re- remote locations where I know I'm not going to be bothered, where I can really just focus on what I'm doing. I think that's kind of important, just be so you can be- really be in the flow of what you're doing. But before we get into movie reviews, I would, of course, this is Sunday Leftovers now and customary hip-hop poetry every Sunday. So let's go ahead and get into it. <clears throat> Here we go for Sunday Poetry. Hummin', comin' at ya, yeah, you know, I'm gonna to gat ya. Gotcha. How do you know where I'm at when you haven't been where I've been? Understand where I'm comin' from while you're up on the hill in your big home. I'm out here riskin' my dome just for a bucket or a fast ducket, just to stay alive, yo, I gotta say, fuck it. Here is something you can't understand how I could just kill a man. So, there's some deep lyrics for Sunday Leftovers. That was uh, by Rage Against the Machine, and that, well, covered by Rage Against the Machine, original by uh, Cypress Hill. So, uh, I got a chance to catch, oh, by the way, this is uh, three, my coffee this week is three parts Aroma Joe's Dark Roast Whole Bean and one part. Uh, medium roast of something. I don't know. I haven't ordered the stuff for the uh for my own bake yet, but I will. I will get to that. I got other shit going on. What do you want me to tell you? I'm buying all kinds of shit. Start my own gym. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, let's get after it. I'm only four and a half minutes in, we're falling apart. The I all right. I I think I had an old um there's an old rant from way back in the day i think i was in the old the original 1.0 studio this is the 2.0 studio 3.0 studio is going to be by the seacoast 2021 wait for it Uh, i did make a rant about uh reboots and reshoots and sequels and things like that and I don't know if I changed my tone on it somewhat or some way. Oh, well, I definitely changed my tune as far as movies in general because now that I know how they're catered to, it's all about making that either the fast cash or appealing to wide audiences and trying to get that China money. And that kind of turned me off. When I stopped doing movie reviews uh, like for like six months, I think, it was because I was extremely turned off by Hollywood in general. I was extremely turned off by their wokeness. I was extremely turned off by the fact that they were trying to get that cash grab from China how Hollywood is a giant hypocrite of itself, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, and just the preachiness of Hollywood actors and actresses. So I was just really, I was really bothered by that. So it kind of just, it did. It honestly, uh, and you can tell me a different angle or whatever, but I was just turned off by all of it. So I really was like, I don't want to watch this. I'm not interested in that. And I was just like, eh. You know, plus I was doing other things. So I would, I am I do critique movies but I don't go out of my way to make it the front and center thing of my website or my company or whatever or my or this project it's not my thing but there is a huge database of it so I decided to keep it up and add it as co- keep it as content and add two more last week I did King of Staten Island and I did the tax collector and I added those they're up on positive sarcasm right now positive sarcasm.com right now in the movie review section so go ahead and check that out but as far as reboots, I get it. if if you're gonna do a reboot like anything or like any movie, really try to, especially a classic novel like a Stephen King type thing. Like when they did, like two two perfect examples of really trying to go out of your way to make a really good movie. Like you're gonna if you're gonna reshoot something or redo something, you really gotta throw everything you have at it, whether it's budget, creativity, producers, actors, act, uh, uh, screenplay writers. Uh, CGI people, you d- and you nowadays, you don't want to fuck up on CGI. You definitely don't want to do that. But like Man of Steel with Henry Cavill, that's an excellent attempt, and in my opinion, succeeding at reshooting a very sensitive uh, superhero, like playing around with the character of Superman. I mean, you can screw that up easily. But that's like, imagine if like the uh, if if Batman Begins was a, a cheap cash grab um or like superman returns superman returns was like in that in that genre of like that five to seven years in hollywood where movies just were kind of uh they felt very cookie cutter they weren't edgy and uh the bond movies suffered greatly from this like tomorrow never dies the world is not enough die another day and it, superman returns kind of fell into that genre Well, the same thing happened for, uh, the same thing did not happen with, uh, excuse me, with Man of Steel because, and an excellent director in Zack Snyder, excellent production team, excellent screenplay writing, excellent CGI, excellent um, actors, you know, very good for what they were designed to do, excellent. They didn't straight, like, the addition of Kevin Costner to that movie really added, Kevin Costner is a no bullshit actor. He gives you a – when Kevin Costner shows up on screen, screen, there is depth to a movie. There is depth to a character. There is something – like he is a – I don't know why. It would not be uh, wrong to say that Kevin Costner is a borderline national treasure. He's created cult classics, uh, uh, classic movies, epics, sagas. This guy has been everywhere and done everything. He's an amazing actor. And to put him as the dad, the sacrificial lamb for a deeper plot in a movie, for Man of Steel, was, boom, it just took the whole movie to another level. They didn't put some no-name fuck in there. They put Kevin Costner and just changed the whole, I mean, not like a, a sacrificial lamb as far as, like, uh, we, need, we just need a face that looks like a dad to get us to the next scene. No. Let's go get Kevin Costner. And then for the other part, on the opposite end of that spectrum, they took another sacrificial lamb. They took Russell Crowe, and they made two big-name A-list actors, sacrificial lambs in this movie that just took it to a whole new level. It's like, we care about our audience. We want to make this huge. We want you to be uh impressed so let's get these big name guys and put some depth in this movie and they did that and it added a a stronger origin story to man of steel that's a good example of a reboot this right here is a bad example of a reboot so i just checked out now let's be honest i'm i'll be perfectly honest with you i have not read any stephen king books i have not seen really any of their originals like uh except for the langoliers that was that was fucking let's just ignore that That was like uh killer pac-man however i um i have seen stephen king's it the new one the new stephen king's it um is excellent like like two two was interesting it was kind of funny it was just a different idea of i don't know whatever people have argued like it's not a good movie it is a good movie i enjoyed it i thought it was funny i thought there was some interesting parts it was definitely weird um but like I said, I think it's done at that point. It should be done. Unless they go back and they make an origin story about that. Ooh, that would be really good. Um, However, this right here was a quick cash grab. Now, generally, I do not... I If the acting is bad, I will go out of my way to go after the actors for doing a shit job. However, just like in uh The Tax Collector, like Bobby Soto and and, and Shia LaBeouf, they were... There was good acting and serviceable acting. It was just a bad movie, a bad plot, and a bad intention. Okay? Just bad. Just bad all around. Like, all the characters were good. Bad movie. Same thing here with Pet Cemetery. This is the new one. 2019. Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife Rachel relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. All right. Now directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Welmer. Now, Jason Clark is a good actor. Jason Clark has he has like an emotional face. He has like a I, you see him, he's in a couple movies. He was in like Terminator Genesis and he was in a couple other flicks. Uh first of all, he's a good actor. Jason Clark is a good actor. He has depth. There's 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 emotion in his eyes when he plays an actor. Amy Semet uh, I don't know who she is. She, for the acting, for the character she was paid to play, good job. Like, if this movie was actually good, I she was the one to play the role. And then, of course, all the, the younger actors, the kiddo actors, perfect. And then John Lithgow on top of that. John Lithgow has always been an excellent actor in everything he's done. Whether it was Cliffhanger, which was a cheesy Stallone flick, uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Or any any type of movie he's been involved with. He was involved with Interstellar. He was in, was he involved in Interstellar? Yeah, he was involved in Interstellar. He was involved with Rise of Planet of the Apes. He's been involved in tons of movies. He's an excellent actor, and he played his part very very well. Where he kind of played that stiff, mysterious kind of borderline creepy character. So excellent. But it was eerie. It was kind of haunting, but it wasn't scary. And it just felt hollow. I don't know what their plan was, but I think it was just like, hey, let's jump on top of that um, that it money. Like, for example, Stephen King's It came out a couple years prior. It was going to be a big hit. There was a lot of money put behind it. Let's try to see if we can, uh, what do they call that, calculate? Uh, whatever. See if we can touch upon that same audience. And they did it with this cat this cat was pretty much like the the gimmick of the whole movie where the cat comes back and it's got like weird hair and it's got this weird face or whatever. And it's just like a regular cat. But they played upon that. But it just, it didn't, to be honest, the cat is the perfect is, is symbol of how the movie was made. It doesn't go beyond the cat as far as the depth of the movie. And there's no reason to spoil it um, in this movie. You can see it and judge it for yourself. But it's a movie. I think they could have gone farther, and there could have been more lore, and there could have been there just could have been more. And it didn't calculate on first of all a great cast. It didn't calculate on a very good environment. And there was also the uh, the character who oh excuse me, obsa Ahmed, who played Victor Pascal, who oddly enough got a lot of playtime in the he got a lot of time in the movie, but I think he got cheated out of. I think he got cheated as well because his part was important throughout the, the, the lay he he was within he had his own atmosphere and layer in the movie and he got cheated out of that uh, this as well so it kind of sucks that this movie did was ultimately disappointing I knew and I knew going into it that it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be a, a great movie but I was hoping for something like oh this is cool like even with Max Payne I thought Max Payne was a good flick and I thought there could have been so much more but at the same time I enjoyed watching the movie even though I played the game It wasn't the game, but there's if there was a sequel to Max Payne, it really could capitalize significantly on the whole... Because Max Payne has a deep plot within the video game. It gets dark and sadistic, and there's a lot behind it. Max Payne only touched upon uh, certain uh, certain points of the game, but overall there was some really cool stuff in there. It has potential, which sometimes is a sad word. Whereas... Pet Cemetery, the new one, it's nothing more than a two-star flick. And as you know, I do out of five stars, and I don't give halvesies. It's not a good movie because simply this: it's not deep, it's not anything new. There, and as far as allocating your time to sit down and watch a movie, it doesn't. It leaves you disappointed with the time you invested in sitting down with who by yourself or with anybody. It's not impressive. So I don't enjoy that aspect of wasting my time. I always get upset when I'm wasting my time. Now, the original, a lot of people actually did like the original. I haven't seen the original. I'm not going to go back and and invest that time. But as far as Jason Clark and Amy Simons and all the other characters and stuff like that, it's like, cool. I'm probably a small budget, but I think the, I don't know, just like, I'm not going to waste any more time on talking to you about this movie because it wasn't worth watching in the first place. And that sucks. However, there is a shining light here. Because people, when it comes to Stephen King flicks, or when it comes to sci-fi flicks, or superhero movies, people really do take to heart certain things they saw as a kid. That's a cool thing. Like something they look forward to. Or something that really tugs at their heartstrings because it's a little bit nostalgic. I have that such movie, and I talked about this in the past. This is a movie that I personally... Uh, gravitate towards because as a young kid i watched the shit out of this so uh this is this article is from den of geek oh by the way if you guys want to know more about uh where i get the information from movies you just just go to imdb imdb is like the one place where you want to source the characters the movie uh box office mojo for the budget and the overall uh you know box office gross which i don't know if that really applies anymore but the actual budget for the movie and this Pet Cemetery came out before the the pandemic, so that's different. They had the audience; they had the chance to build an audience. They didn't do it. Actually, is there even an amount here for how much it made? Uh, let's take a look. Let me go down box office. So, uh, budget twenty one million. Opening weekend twenty four. It made fifty four million dollars, and it grossed worldwide one hundred thirteen. So it made its money. Quite frankly, it shouldn't have. Um, now let me. Anyways, let's let's get back to this. This is a movie that really went out of its way first of all they are people call this a star wars knockoff like they took which let's face it anything after 1977 was a fucking not, a star wars knockoff everybody was like all right let's go to space okay that's fine well let's open up a new genre of movies and start making attempts like everybody on youtube after 2017 is basically a casey nice that wannabe so was i for a little bit and then i just said fuck it i don't like, even now, I don't care what Casey Neistat puts out. I don't give a shit anymore. It's like, whatever, you know. Um, but there was that point where everybody tried to be like him because he was – his 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 shooting concepts are, um, I guess, or, original, sure, because he was the one who builds he, – he set something up to make it look like it was part of, like, when you open the fridge and the, and the camera's already there and it just shows you opening the fridge or – you arriving somewhere and then clipping things and then uh, uh, transitions with the beats of the music, okay? His shooting style definitely is a, a, a trademarked one. But everything after like 1977, 1980, it's like, okay, that's just the knockoff of Star Wars. Well, I get it. But the plot, the plot of The Last Starfighter, I get it, you have a kid who's on there in like, for example, Luke Skywalker is on a desolate planet. Uh, was it Tatooine? I think it's Tatooine, Tatooine. He's on a desolate planet with his aunt and uncle where Alex Rogan is on a, is in a desert, you know, uh, trailer park community, you know, with his uncle or mom or whatever. It's kind of the same. Like he's looking up into the stars at night and I get it. Well, where it, they're both poor kids. Trying to make who are yearning for a better life, a bigger, you know, more starry-eyed future. Alex Rogan, it's kind of the same thing. Now this movie was definitely a cookie cutter type of thing for early 1980s sci-fi, but for some reason, like the BMW M1 when it first came out, the BMW M1 is built on like, is is built with like the Z the Z3 or the Z4 engine. It's got like a, a cheap, it's got like a frame from another car. And it's got and it's got the looks of the M3 and it's it's got all these pieces from other cars and they just kind of slapped it together and for some reason like the M1 the last Starfighter shouldn't work it should it should be wobbly and feel cookie cutter and not you know not edge of your seat but it does work it for some reason the movie does work. And even though they didn't have the um, props, because that was the difference between the last Starfighter and and Star Wars. Star Wars had movie props, giant sets. Um, well, when Return of the when friggin' Return of the not Return of the Jedi, excuse me, The Empire Strikes Back got involved, there was larger props, bigger cast, you know, much bigger sets, more CGI. But there was a lot of props, a lot of ships. There was a bigger, broader universe for it. Whereas The Last Starfighter, at this time, didn't have that budget. Didn't have that scope. Didn't have any of that. It was all CGI. Early 80s CGI, which was terrible. Terrible. The idea of working it is what they... But they played it very smart because Alex Rogan was in, in the movie. He's playing this video game. It's called uh, star it's called Starfighter, and he's just trying to go through the motions of play the game and get the high score and he gets the high score and then but this isn't just a video game, it's actually a recruiting simulator. And because he gets the high score and wins the game and all that stuff, a recruiter comes down from space, picks him up in some type of space Lamborghini or space fucking uh, what do you call it? Um, Delorean picks him up, takes him there and go go fight the Kobe Ma, uh, go fight friggin against the, you know the enemy and some shit. And because the the video game looks a lot like what's going on in outer space, you connect the CGI in a lot of ways, and it's like, oh, okay, he's in the video game, like Tron, but he's not. This is just the early 80s cheap CGI that they had available to him. They didn't have the props of Star Wars and and, and the Rogue Squadron and the TIE Fighters. They didn't have that. They didn't even an op. They didn't have that luxury. It was just like I said. It was just a cookie cutter. Let's piece this movie together to see if we can scrape up some of that extra Star Wars money, that extra Star Wars audience. So I'm actually looking up last. Let's see, last. Uh, excuse me, last Starfighter. Let's see. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Last Starfighter. There we go. And this was '84. So round '84 was about yeah. Video game expert Alex Rogan finds himself transported to another planet after conquering the last Starfighter video game, only to find out it was just a test. He was recruited to join the team of the best star fighters to defend the world from attack. Directed by Nick Castle, written by Jonathan Bet-butel? Betul, and Lance Gast, Robert Preston, Kate Cutler. Let's see here, Kate Cutler and Duran. Let's see. Let me scroll down to uh, budget. See, they got any budget here? Cool, really cool. <laughs> Let's see. They don't have anything here as far as budget. Oh wait, here it is. The original budget was six million dollars. This is obviously inflated from. This is pre-inflation July 1984. so six million dollar budget 15 million um no excuse me 15 million dollar budget opening weekend six million dollars it grossed 28. okay so let's compare that to let's compare that to Star Wars so six million a 15 million dollar budget let's see what the original Star Wars had for a budget back in 1977 so let's go to Star Wars and here we go that's episode i don't care about that one i want the original star wars where are you star wars star wars star wars no oh there's so many now so i have to i literally have to type in now i literally have to type in a new hope there we go 1977 mark hamill that was a good movie though by the way um let's see let's go down to budget all right holy shit the budget for Star Wars, now this is don't get me wrong, this is 7 years prior, was 11 million dollars. And opening weekend in 1977, it was 1.5 million. But it ended up grossing over 460 million. So the idea that this cookie cutter movie, like, you know, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it shouldn't have panned out, but it does. It stuck with me like like Flight of the Navigator. The Last Starfighter stuck with me, like one of those movies with the CGI and video game, it it looked a lot like Galaxia if Galaxia was a 3D video game. Or Star Fox 64 is a perfect example of that game that doesn't look all put together and definitely is not realistic, but was still super fun to play and high playability and was super enjoyable and you could play with friends. So it was one of those cult classics that, a lot of people remember as a child in the 1980s. It was a ton of fun, but it wasn't the. La- it was definitely there was significant knockoffs or uh, uh, copying from Star Wars. But I won't shit on the movie because I still enjoyed it as a kid because it was part of that Flight of the Navigator, Star Wars. Um, you know, the last Starfight. It was part of that that early 1980s thing it was still part of that when you remember it's a movie that you sticks out of you sticks out to you as a kid why am i talking about this fucking movie that's 30 years old because it just got a new writer so jonathan betchell is feeling more positive about the sequel's chances with the help because it's funny like you think that the writers and directors of this franchise which is not a franchise last starfighter is not a franchise it's got one movie 30 years old. But Star Wars is a franchise. They got a lot of directors, a lot of producers, a lot of writers, a lot of screenplay people, a lot of cast and crew. So why would anybody from the Star Wars saga bother to help out the last Starfighter when all the last Starfighter did was borrow, or steal, some would say, from Star Wars? Maybe just, why not? Because maybe at this point... Star Wars is is a fucking disgrace of itself because after the Force Awakens, it really it it became something else entirely. It became a pile of shit, and there was politics behind it, cultural suggestions, and there was just all kinds of other stuff that you just went, what, fuck off," and it just became something else. It it Star Wars ate itself. It eventually ate itself. So some people are, a lot of people are like, are just bailing from the whole project the whole franchise all together but apparently there was one movie that stuck out significantly from star wars which is a movie i oddly enough fell asleep to and that was rogue one uh rogue one was the big spin was when star wars decided they were going to start doing spin-offs. but one of the story story uh, writers from that gary witta has decided he's going to help out and give the last starfighter possibly its own sequel because it did open up possibilities for another world, because the movie's ending is great. The movie's ending is, is so like, yeah, this is a cookie cutter flick, but look what we can do. Look what's possible. And that was the cool thing about it. So here's the, uh, this is from Denna Geek. Uh, Kirsten Howard is the writer. Spending decades in the planning stages, a sequel to 1984's cult-y, cult sci-fi classic, Last Starfighter is finally throwing off some shackles imposed by endless rights issues and studio problems. A new interview with Movie the Film's co-writer, Jonathan Be- Butyl, has offered an update on the status of Last Starfighter, which he is plotting for quite a while, with Rogue One and Star Wars Rebels scribe Gary Witta. Previously described the project as a combination of a reboot and a sequel that we both think honors the legacy of the original film, which was basically a kind of a cop cookie cutter knockoff of Star Wars, while passing the torch to a new generation and plans are still very much in motion to see the movie come to fruition. It looks like we'll be making the deal to get it going. Uh, Gary is a gifted collaborator. We'll be writing the script together, but, it taken, but it's taken a long time. I had to go through a process that took years to recapture the rights that were recently completed. And although nothing is ever clear sailing, it looks like we have really good opportunity now. So I'm really looking forward to taking it up. Uh, it tells you about the story, but generated a report that it was a misfire from Wishful TV producers. Okay, so there was supposed to be a feature film and then some TV series, but it didn't pan out. Uh, it seemed to have changed the last few years. The, the, the leads are now parents and the time... is Okay, so what they're talking about as far as like what is going to be the sequel, what the plot line is. So the leads are now parents and time has passed. It's not a remake. It's going to continue the story. What changed is time itself. Certainly as the video world and the alien world have continued to tick away, it's not a time capsule of the 80s by any means. We're taking it to the next level, passing the torch or the joystick, as they say. Uh, also touching on the themes of the last Starfighter, says, he says, are still relevant 36 years are. People still dream. People still are, long to be a hero in their own life. Uh, and those they love, whether their methodology is the same or different, their material everyone has in terms of wanting to do more in life and to do more with others. I think it is a story that fuels this movie, from the, and it has that from the very beginning. So that's where it is right now. But it was, like I said, a, a very cheap idea of just being able to dream bigger and there like i said there was a lot there's a lot to look forward to now this article came out october 19th so this is a movie that is hopes of if the this whole pandemic dies away whether and you know things start to reopen and they can finally they can get the actors and actresses and the sets and the traveling restrictions to go away and get the audience and the interest to go to the movie theaters or to the drive-ins cuz that would be cool. This is a movie I would totally go see at the drive-in. And get that idea to open up like I'll get a lot of people to see this movie, really have it tug on the heartstrings of those Spielbergish fans, like the E.T. type of fans. This would be the movie to do it. I think that would be the audience to gravitate this towards you'd get a little bit of the star wars fans a little bit of the marvel fans a little bit of the spielberg et fans and then just science uh sci-fi movie fans in general so i really think that there's, there's there's a culmination of all that and they don't have to play to china they don't have to do this they don't have to suck china's communist dick to in order to make money with this movie they just have to make a good fucking movie and throw the right actors to it and maybe get some depth behind it and hire Kevin Costner. Why not? So I think if they do that, they really can make this out to be a really good movie. And they don't have to play by any uh, Hollywood producer rules. They just need to make a really good fucking PG or PG-13 movie and they'll kill it. They will kill the box office. This is a movie, if the box office opens up, this will make $50 million on opening weekend. Just like that. $50 million on opening weekend. They can do it. They really could do it. So why not? Why not if everything opens back up and people feel comfortable going to drive-ins and movie theaters again, this movie will make that budget. That movie will make that budget on opening weekend and continue off because the European market will love it. Uh, The third world markets will love it. The American market will love it. And if it's allowed in China, great. If not, fuck them. So this is what I'm looking forward to. If you haven't seen it, you can show it to your kids. It's a great movie. Look up The Last Starfighter uh, from 1984. Excellent movie. I don't know if I gave it three stars. Maybe I gave it four. I don't know. Let me go find out. Let me go see what I gave it. Uh, or if I even freaking if I even rated it. I mean, good movie. Totally Netflixable. If you played this on the big screen, it would actually be pretty cool. Like, cause the space scenes are pretty fucking sweet. Let me go see if I actually. Uh, let's see. Do I have a? Do I, Did I get rid of the search bar on my on my website? No, I didn't. I still have it. So let's just see. Um, yep, here it is. Oh, uh, the last star. <laughs> Awkward silence. The last starfighter. All right, let me see if this thing works. Yep, there it is. The la. Fuck, where'd it go? No, I just had it. Motherfucker, hold on. Let me try that again. The last... This new... Actually, this new search bar on uh, on my website works pretty good. The Last Starfighter. Let's see. All right. Well, whatever. I'll just scroll down to it. Fuck it. There's like 500 movies here anyways. Um, oh, I got to fix that. Let's see. Th- come on we're gonna close up shop after this so just hang with me here the brown bunny (laughs) yeah that was a movie The l the girl the human centipede the hunger games hunt for red october the hunted the last the king of staten island the last of the mohicans that's a good movie check that out last starfighter 1984 sci-fi three movies three stars it hasn't aged well and it has many flaws but i can't help still but still be in love with its charm for merely being a knockoff of star wars that i watched on repeat as a kid that sums it up perfectly. So go ahead and check that out, look it up on IMDB, or maybe it's on like some free uh, uh you know streaming service, but just go ahead and look it up. Anyways, we're at 34 minutes. I'm gonna close up shop for today. If you have questions or concerns or comments, you can go and hit me up on my website. You can know, sign my DMs or my social media. You can email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Um Yeah, and all that have a happy jazz. I appreciate you all all you new subscribers on YouTube, whether it's on my positive sarcasm or positive sarcasm podcast uh channels go ahead like subscribe hit the button hit the bell turn on notifications um go ahead and do all that stuff you hit me up on my social media and all that other shit other questions and concerns or comments positive sarcasm at outlook.com okay we're done here thank you thank you so much for listening and watching and subscribing uh the next few weeks i'm sure will be turbulent for in some way shape or form guys just stick to what you're doing focus on your goals in life none of this other shit really matters be respectful of your neighbors be respectful of your friends and be respectful of your family Okay, just stay in the pocket and focus on what's important to you, because these next few weeks, uh, you know, you can't expect people to behave rationally at this point. So just make sure you're looking out for you and those important and just stay in the pocket and focus on your goals. You can get there. So thank you for listening, watching and subscribing. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast in audio form in anywhere where podcasts are downloadable and streamable. You can find me on there or you can go right to my website. But thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I I will talk to you on Wednesday. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.